little bit of improv there for you. I guess improvisation would be something that arrives from a thought, from thoughts, from subconscious. I don't know. That is what this episode is mostly about. It's about thoughts. That's why it's called Where Do Thoughts Come From? Where do thoughts come from? Do you know? Have you asked yourself this before? Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Where do thoughts come from? I feel like I've asked myself this question a few times in my life before I started learning or even knew anything about general mindfulness or meditation. But I don't think I ever thought very far or very deeply about it all. I guess it would sort of be like asking a child, what does chocolate taste like? And getting a response like, it's chewy and yummy. Versus asking a chocolate connoisseur what chocolate tastes like. I imagine the connoisseur would have you pull up a seat and would talk to you about all the different kinds of chocolate, different ways to make chocolate, different additives, different things infused into chocolate, and so on and so on. There are so many different levels we could discuss thoughts and dreams and those kinds of things that happen to us while we seemingly have no control over them. It would seem odd to try and explain to someone the process of thoughts arising in your mind. Imagine trying to explain to an emotionless alien type of being that may or may not fully be conscious. Explain to them how a thought comes into your head. Have you thought about it like that before? It's weird. Have you had any true speculation as to where thoughts actually come from? Perhaps after a random thought manifests in your head about harming someone or being very mean to someone when you would never look to harm anyone at all, ever? Maybe then you find your curiosity peaked, wondering where did that even come from? What if it came from an alternate universe? Like another universe or another several universes were somehow bleeding into each other and it's recycling actions there into the thoughts we receive here in our minds. Like real actions there are what eventually turn into movies here because, you know, movies come from ideas, ideas come from thoughts and it just generates back into live action. Thoughts are the birth of great ideas and Horrible ideas. But where do they come from? From a god. From many gods. From demons. From angels. From another realm. From the outside players of this live action video game we're all in? Do they just manifest from a foggy lake of words and images of everything randomly possible in our entire existence? It is hard to break the outer shell of awareness enough to be able to think a little deeper about your own consciousness and self-awareness. But once you do, it is a fascinating awakening of curiosity and, and sort of a humbling bliss. I believe it allows you to be much more empathetic to those you come into contact with. Because you're more aware that they see the world with different eyes, through different lenses, on different timelines and have a different connection to this world entirely and with all of its inhabitants. The next time you have a moment alone with the ability to have some silence, I would encourage you to take that extra 10 minutes or five minutes or two minutes or 
even 20 seconds of undisturbed quiet time to calm your mind and think of absolutely nothing at all whatsoever. Eyes open or eyes closed, just focus loosely on a point somewhere, a direction to find a connection to you and your awareness. Perhaps hang on to your breathing. Whether it be mouth, nose, chest, stomach, your overall body moving with the rhythm of breathing, just something to kind of anchor you in a way. So every thought that comes into view, which you might have many jumbling around in your head, but if you're able to focus on one, as it comes into focus, as though maybe it's coming from far away and it's blurry and you can't really see it, but you know that you're thinking and then the thought becomes clear. When you see it, when you focus on it, shoo it away like a fly. Just see what it is. Um, I forgot I have to meet someone tomorrow. Just that thought. Okay, shoo it away. Bye-bye. And focus on your breathing. Do this as long as you can, I would say. Whenever you notice that it's too hard or you're just running out of time to dedicate to this, remember that noticing thoughts as they arise or noticing that you are thinking or that you are lost in thought is the practice of meditation. That's the repetition. That is the muscle that you exercise to get better at not letting your thoughts and concerns and emotions control you as much as they do without that awareness. Say you find yourself trying to focus and all of a sudden you're thinking about what your cousin did 10 years ago at that one place and you can remember the way that place looked and smelled and what was going on before that moment and those shoes you had on and how you just saw someone at the grocery store the other day with those same old shoes and how they were buying a lot of toilet paper and then worrying about another toilet paper shortage and then, oh man, I'm lost in thought. I'm thinking. I totally forgot I was supposed to be focusing on nothing and batting away my thoughts. After you've noticed that, Try to lasso in the next thought. Level up your awareness and your mindfulness. It might be extremely frustrating the entire time you do it. But that frustration will decrease because you will notice the successes as small as they may be. It is a step forward towards improving your awareness and your ability to be more in control of yourself. If you actually have the dedicated time and the ability to incorporate headphones or earbuds into this, you should try some musical drone tracks or frequency audio wavelengths that can help you focus. I listened to Ben Carroll's Cultivating Bliss album where he uses crystal singing bowls. I can't remember if I've shared my story here before about the experience I had several years ago with a crystal bowl meditation, but those frequencies do something to you. I like hearing them through earbuds to drown out the rest of the world sometimes, but if you have the chance to hear them loudly through speakers or better yet, 
real life in person, you are in for an experience as long as you aren't too terribly distracted. So forgive me if I mentioned this previously and you don't care to relive it with me, but years ago I went to a crystal bowl meditation with Emily. I can't remember how receptive I was at the time or how I was emotionally at the time, but if I remember myself the way I think I do around that time, I'd say I was probably not into it and probably felt inconvenienced to go as I would most of the time and would 100% always regret that feeling because it was always a good time and I was just being a big fucking grouch. But anyway, I don't recall having any expectations and just going to this crystal ball meditation to go and you know be a good partner and try something new, perhaps. Maybe even thought it was just like a performance and not containing any sort of healing properties or anything like that. I don't know. But I experienced something really intense during the crystal bowls used for the second chakra. They go through all seven chakras and it's, uh, it's wild. So the second chakra is the sacral chakra and is apparently focused on creativity, emotions, and desire. This chakra is also said to be blocked or weakened by fear or fear of death. I can't say that I recall any certain fear at that time other than perhaps some fear around my relationship, but I can't remember if there was anything else I was really battling at the time. But back to what happened. So as I'm lying back with my eyes closed, I started to feel my body tense up a little bit when the singing bowl started getting louder and basically rattled my bones. I guess it could be perceived now as a mild anxiety attack. And while that was going on outside, what I was seeing inside is what I think caused this little attack. So I had my eyes closed and saw the normal dark shimmering nothingness behind the eyes. And I started to notice what seemed like colorless clouds or fog filling up the observable space around me. It was like a grayish tint through the whole image that I could see. And as those clouds began to grow and fill up more space, I remember it looking more and more like smoke after a minute. And, and then the smoke was being blown around by something that looked kind of like flying fireballs or something, but there wasn't really fire. There was no color. It was just kind of a dark gray, maybe a bluish hue. I started noticing that they weren't flying balls of fire. That's not fire. They were actually flying skulls, but with face facial features, I guess that showed that they were angry or very aggressive. And I mean, I know it sounds super corny. This guy's thinking about flaming skulls flying around. Cool. It, I don't know what it was about that, but seriously, in my mind, as this was happening, it was and still is one of the scariest experiences that I've had in my life. I don't know why, but it was very intense. I would come to experience something very similar to this, many years later after ingesting a certain fungus, but I'll save that adventure for another time. 
So as soon as I noticed these skulls being skulls, they started flying directly at my face, even more and more aggressively until I straight up could not take it anymore and opened my eyes and sat up for a second. I actually had tears in my eyes coming down my face and I was still shaking a little bit. I don't think anyone saw me. I can't remember if Emily saw me at all. I don't, I don't remember that moment very well. I just remember what I saw in my head at the time. But I was super embarrassed about it and had no idea what to think of it. I don't recall talking to Emily about it afterwards, but I possibly did. And you'd think that I would have really gotten more curious about meditation and stuff around that time because of this, trying to understand what happened. But I think it actually just scared me away from it for many years. You know what's crazy is I had zero intention of talking about any of this specifically at all. And it kind of just flowed out while writing and riffing on the question of where thoughts come from. So I decided to include it. I hope it's enjoyable. Uh, yeah, so the Flying Skull event. Still one of the scariest moments I've experienced just because of how intensely I felt it. And that's a great example of something that has just popped into my head and I have no idea where it came from or what it means or if it means anything at all. If you've experienced anything like that while meditating or on psychedelics or anything like that, I would love to hear about it. I'm finding myself fascinated more and more by the mind every day. That's why I'm having a little more trouble discussing politics and other things that people have been squeezing the life out of recently. And I'm just getting bogged down by the wonderment of how all those angry thoughts are being processed and where they're even coming from. Speaking of not speaking about politics, one of the reasons for that is social media, which is what my last podcast was about. So I just wanted to give an update on that and say that according to my phone's screen time, whatever, I've spent like 22 minutes on Instagram and Facebook uh, since I posted that I was staying away from social media. And that to me seems like a lot. <laughs> since I'm not supposed to be on social media and I don't even feel like I've, I feel like I've spent less than six minutes and my phone says no, but I also think back and I have spent way more time than that on Facebook alone in one sitting. So for, I don't know what a week and a half, maybe two weeks. No, it's been like two weeks or more. So yeah, if that's, as much as I've spent on it in the past couple of weeks, I say it's pretty good. So yeah, we'll just say it's going pretty great. I definitely feel good. I feel like my battery is recharging. My social battery is recharging. I mean, I'm still posting things every now and then, but I don't check back for another day at least. And I don't know, maybe I can just, I don't know. I miss seeing funny stuff and seeing cool videos and whatever, but I don't miss all the bullshit. So just thinking out loud, thoughts are flowing into my head. Where are they coming from? I don't know. <sighs> Back to that. Another concept to think about is thoughts turning into action, which is kind of what I mentioned earlier. Basically similar to the butterfly effect, a domino effect, a timeline affected by every action along the way. Thoughts becoming actions 
that could become other thoughts and other actions. Like you, for example, perhaps your parents thought it would be nice to have a child because of other thoughts that led them to think that. So you were born from a thought. Your dad's parents maybe thought a night of drinking would be fun. The happy thoughts and laughing from drinking, which then led to the thought of intimacy, which led to a lifetime of other thoughts that led to the birth of your father, which ultimately led to the birth of you. That's just a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the thoughts that were flowing through this three-generation example of thought into action. So, again, where do they come from? You can trace back the thought of your cousin 10 years ago at the one place and how it smelled and those shoes and the basis of how you actually arrived at the initial thought of your cousin. But where did the initial thought come from? Does that frustrate you? <laughs> hurt your brain? It's like trying to think of what's beyond outer space. You know, like outside of space. <laughs> Is it just more space? Infinite openness? What if space is basically like an ocean and we really never know what's outside in the quote-unquote real world? If you can place your creative mind as far outward as possible to picture space as a sort of gaseous ocean full of strange contents, zoom back in to our galaxy, then zoom to Earth then to your country, then to your city, then directly to you, then inside of your head and see how you feel about some of the little things that are currently worrying you. Then zoom all the way back out to beyond space and think of those little things again. For me, when I think of a much bigger picture like that, and remind myself of the vastness of everything around us, I tend to not give those little worries as much attention because they just kind of begin to diminish in importance. It helps me not give them much real estate in my mind. Little things can certainly add up and affect larger things in reality, so I'm certainly not saying to ignore little things simply because of their size. It's more a matter of not getting caught up in some of the littler things, or even big things, that don't do much more than occupy your mind with more stress, like background noises that distract you instead of soothe you. The reverse of this thought experiment is just as interesting when directing our attention inward towards the microscopic elements that make up our bodies and Physical realities such as atoms, quarks, protons, neutrons, electrons, etc. There are also mathematical qualities attributed to these things that I can't even begin to try and understand. I'm just aware that others have discovered the existence. It's a wonder if any of those subatomic particles have anything to do with our thoughts or consciousness. I was walking through an antique store the other day with Chantel and happened upon a book from, I think it was the 1950s, about quantum mechanics. I couldn't even understand the first sentence in the preface, preface, preface. So I didn't get the book, but it humbled my intelligence for sure. 
I'd love to spend time in that area at some point, but I think I need to better learn and understand quite a few other things first. One thing that makes me super curious about this existence is the mathematical qualities intertwined with the very fabric of our being, which leads me closer to the thought of us being in some sort of computerized system. As my wife and I have seen in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series, the Marvel show Disney owned, whatever, it would be comparable, comparable, I don't know, to the quote-unquote framework as they reference it in later seasons. It is a simulated world that you don't realize you are even in. When you're in it, that is your reality. And that is what I totally think we are in sometimes. Kind of say a lot of times, honestly. More so now than before. The funny thing is, is that you can't prove to me that we aren't. You can't do it at all. That's something that is basically unprovable. You can't prove this isn't a dream of a dream of someone in the outside world that ultimately determines our fate and feeds us thoughts. You don't know. Just like the thought that inspired this entire episode. I was meditating in my studio for just a couple of minutes and trying to settle my mind and I had an overwhelming sense to grab a hold of a random thought about thoughts and the genuine wonder about where they come from. Which immediately led me to thinking this is okay to break the meditation to write something down or take notes of something because they expire. They disappear. That's why a lot of writers or comedians or other people that come up with content will drop everything to run to another room to write something down or type something into their phone really quick so they don't forget it because it will just disintegrate and you have no control of when that thought comes into your head. So that's what I did. I stopped meditating and I grabbed my phone and got the notes app and started typing stuff. And you know, with the simulation theory and whatnot, I wonder if that's why some people think that artificial intelligence will take over and destroy humanity. Because perhaps we already are linked into a form of superhuman artificial intelligence and the eventual internal creation of superhuman artificial intelligence inside of an already superhuman artificial intelligence is what puts us into some sort of interdimensional world-ending paradox that causes a subatomic separation of particles and we all disintegrate into loose pixels floating around and essentially corrupting the system file for this entire existence. And it gives the user outside a blue screen of death and an eventual prompt to restart the system. Man, my head hurts. Does this stuff not interest you or fascinate you? I think it's incredibly interesting. And once again, I think the engagement in thought experiments or pondering sessions about this kind of stuff can really humble people and help raise your level of empathy. Once you realize how much noise and unnecessary things you have bouncing around in your head and likewise in others' heads, you might be able to more easily consider that next time you are upset with someone for their attitude or for them not seeming to fully listen or understand you. You likely don't know what they have going on in their life and especially don't know what they are battling in their own head. I was going to end this here, but after saying that last line about 
battling something in your head, it made me want to mention a great podcast I just heard the other day, which ties into mental struggles that people might not consider. I listened to the Tim Ferriss podcast sometimes, and he released a great one uh, sometime last year, I believe, about him being sexually abused as a child. I think it was episode 464. I also believe it was the first time he talked about this publicly. And he was talking to Debbie Millman, who's been a longtime friend and help in this matter, as she had similar experiences in her childhood. And in this episode, they offer really good advice and examples of how they have personally dealt with their trauma and still deal with their trauma. Debbie has been in therapy for, I think she said, 30 plus years. Anyway, I mention this because it's a great example of something that someone else could be battling in their head for their entire life, and you may never know about it. All you know is that they always seem bothered or nervous or anxious or standoffish or exhibit some other quality that you feel the need to cast judgment upon. Take a step back sometime and consider your own internal struggles that no one knows about and Perhaps pretend the person sitting opposite of you has the same or possibly worse struggles in their head. You might find yourself with a new desire to understand someone or even help them when you otherwise would just argue or judge them. Okay, I think this has been fun. Let's come back to it soon though and see if there are any new revelations. Thank you for listening to my brain stew and contemplation of reality. I love you. Bye bye. Rusty's Escape Pod. Rusty's Escape Pod.